Welcome to the On Point Podcast, a channel dedicated to helping you be the best hunter you can be. On Point is designed to help motivate and inspire you to get more out of yourself and your gear during your next hunt. If you're looking for information that will directly impact your success and help inspire you to go on new adventures, whether you're hunting with a bow or a rifle, On Point is the channel for you. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast where I'm talking gear priorities for the day hunter. So what am I taking on my, uh, most of my hunts are day hunts. I don't do the, the five to seven day backpack hunts yet. Um, so my wheelhouse is, is really hunting as far as I can and then coming back every day back to camp. And so that takes, you know, food, water, some other things. We go over what's a priority gear, what do I really, really want or need versus what's some convenience items that I can go without and help save some weight. So this is an area that really hasn't been touched on, I don't think, as much as the area of going back in and living off of your back in the wilderness for five to seven days. The, the day hunting aspect really hasn't been talked about that much. So we talk about how to do it for elk, what we carry on ourselves, what we consider priorities, and there's some really cool similarities uh, between me and Anthony. And then I, <laughs> me being a gear guy, I had a few more convenience items that I'm willing to pack around with me. And then um, really we, we just talk about all that kind of stuff. So... For guys that are wanting to learn what to take with them, um, say into the elk woods, and they're and they're hiking in, and they're coming back out every day, this is going to be a great episode for you. I, you know, you could use this for mule deer, for whatever you're doing. Um, if, if you're going out and you're hiking, what do you need? And we're going to do it from guys that are hunting timber, from guys that are maybe having uh, maybe more of a glassing option. So, hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. I had a great time uh, recording it with Anthony, and I will see you guys at the end. Bye. Uh, so, okay, so let's get this thing going. I am joined with Team Dirty Trad. We just call you Dirty Trad. Yeah, I'm going to have to adjust. You're a one-man still. Yeah. One day it'll change. <laughs> one day. Well, Austin said he's getting into it, apparently. Yeah. He's been talking to me a little bit, but... We're talking about Austin Kincaid from the uh, High Voltage Bow Strings, who does my strings and Anthony's strings, and good guy, but he's a compound guy getting into the trad game. A little bit, it sounds so. like. So, uh, he just got one. He... I guess one of his buddies makes bows, so he just got it. And oh, really? Yeah, he's been asking me some questions, and mm. but it's hard to get on the phone with him for more than ten minutes, even if he wants to call you, because he's like, "I gotta go, I gotta work." I'm Busy like, guy. Yeah, I'm like, all right, see ya. People are actually getting a hold of you for advice now. It, on yeah, trads. they must be desperate. <laughs> right. Well, you got to get your information from somewhere. Why not you? <laughs> yeah, well, I've gone through a lot of trial and error. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, today uh, I called you over here because I'm like, dude, we got to do a podcast on priorities of gear. What's a must-have? What is a convenience item? And kind of go over, I, I guess, our ordered list of priorities for gear. And I wanted to make it a little fun, so you kind of know what's on my list. I have no idea what's on your list. I couldn't even know if I wanted to because your handwriting sucks oh, so it's horrible. bad. I, I don't <laughs> and even I gave know you if a I sharpie. can read this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you mispronounce some words, we're just going to say it's because of your uh, horrible handwriting. <laughs> You're actually not far off from my handwriting. My handwriting is not very good either. But So let's, let's just create a scenario because there's going to be a difference between a guy hunting a tree stand in Pennsylvania versus what we're doing, you know, hiking in after elk. We're not going to do a BV hunt style. We're not going to do a uh, 
backcountry, you know, stay for seven days hunt. I want to, because I, that's not my wheelhouse. I want to do stuff that we do where we go in maybe three, four miles, five miles, come back out. So, you know, you're, you're talking to, you know, a six to 10 mile trip or more. Yeah. Uh, what, and we're going for elk. So it could be timbered terrain. It could be old burns. It could be really steep, flat, anywhere in between. In its wilderness, so uh, what would be some things that I would take, and what would be some things that you would take? And I'm really actually kind of curious to see how they contrast. I'm sure there's going to be some similarities because I, you know, we've hunted together, so I know what you bring. But uh, I know I I was so proud of myself coming up with some of the things. I'm like Anthony's not going to have this on his list. <laughs> They're probably there. They're so. <laughs> You're just gonna scribble them down as soon as I say anything. Oh yeah, no, I left. Oh, that's a pin. Here we go. Did you? <laughs> Did you number yours by chance? No, but they're s- somewhat written in order. Um, so pretty much what I have written down is things that I'm not going to go without. Okay. So Priority. Yeah. And I'm not talking about my bow or arrows, you know. Well, that's pretty much about the only thing I left out because yeah. obviously you're going with a bow. Right. So Or a rifle or whatever you're hunting with. So. I'm going with a compound. You're going with a freaking stick bow. Yeah, stick with some string. So if I'm preaching, oh, you need this bow or that bow, well, then you're like, dude, I'm out there with a wooden stick yeah. and no, a string. No. It's a soulless bow. Oh, is it? Yeah, aluminum mm. riser. You son of a gun. Yeah. That's blasphemy in the yeah, track it's world, soulless. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but it shoots good, so. Oh, so, uh, let, well, you know, let, let's just hit on the bow aspect real quick. Because, I, you know, we started talking about downstairs, and I really think there's room to expand on that. I'm a gear guy. I love shooting Pro line bows, the nicest bows out every year. I'm one of the guys that buys them because I just love the feel of a new bow. I love experiencing new bows. It's it's just really fun. I mean, it, just to see what new technology they come out with or what new features they come out with or how much better they can make a bow shoot every year. I, I love that. That's something that I'm willing to spend my money on. Is that a necessary? Absolutely not. I mean, like I was saying, give me a Diamond Infinite Edge. And I'll go out there and I'll still get the same opportunities as I would with my RX-1 Turbo. My effective range may not be as far, right? Yeah. But And that's where it comes into you using your stick bow. Well, dude, my effective range would be, you know, really far compared to a, a stick bow. What's your effective range with the... Um, I would say what, what I'm going to be doing, it's pretty much 30 and in. 30 and in. Yeah. Um, and even that, it's going to have to be good conditions i guess mm-hmm. um and i say 30 because 30 is my point on so i mean i can just hammer arrows in at 30 yards but i'm literally aiming the bow right and then anything below is super effective now i can go out to the range and i was shooting last week i was shooting last week at the range and it i was piling them in there at 50 hmm. with the same bow now would i ever shoot that no but it's the same theory of with a compound, you know, guy shooting a hundred right. to make 50 feel better. Well, it's the same thing. I'm shooting 50 and then I go back to 20 and it's just a slam dunk is what it feels like. So, right. Same thing. So it's really not about the bow. I would say it's probably more about what you're sending downrange than what you're using to send it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would focus more on, on the shooter and what's actually impacting the animal more than what's sending it there. But we've already done a broadhead episode, an arrow episode. Um, so I don't want to get back into that, but it's really not about the bow. It's, it's more about the shooter. It's not about the, really about the arrow. I mean, the specs of what you build your arrow to, I think is really what it matters. 
having a good arrow, yeah, that matters. But you can really make an arrow into what you want. You can add point weight. You can add this broadhead. You could put this fletching on it. You can really customize your arrows so much where, to me, it doesn't really... I mean, I use the same arrows. I've been using them for a long time, you know, over 10 years. And it, I, I always shoot Eastern Axis, never shot anything else, never needed the... You know, every time I, go, I do move away, away from an Eastern, I come back to an Eastern Axis. Yeah, I've I shot them for a long time. I just have ventured away from yeah. them. You and play I've, around with arrows more than I do. Well, a lot of that came in with the um, the recurve thing because you have to tune the arrow to the bow. You can't mm-hmm. tune the bow other than brace height and, you know, your knock set. But So I've played around with a ton of arrows, but I've just kind of landed where I'm at now. And then, hmm. I mean, I, I think they all would have – every arrow that tuned out of that bow would get the same job done. Right. But this is just where I've landed at now, so hmm. – well, I got my list ready. You can hear it in my hand. I'm flicking it with my finger. Uh, I'm going to go over. You want, Actually, why don't you go over your first one real quick? Uh, <laughs> scared? I, I got mine ordered the first top seven. Okay, so mine aren't, like I said, not necessarily ordered. Mm-hmm. These are just things I would, I'm I'm going with. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm not leaving without them. Mm-hmm. So, the first one I put on is boots Mm. so i've learned this lesson the hard way with cheap boots (laughs) me too once your feet are done you're done i mean right we planned so when i learned this lesson i was probably like 18 19 and we made our first i guess you call it like a bonsai trip to eastern oregon we went over there and we hunted you know long ways from the pickup and stuff and i think we were there for four days and by the second day by the end, because I had cheap boots, like mm-hmm. hand-me-downs that were bought used. I mean, they were just not good boots. My feet were so done that every step hurt. Really? So I was pretty much done hunting. I mean, I was still there, but I wasn't moving very fast. So boots have always been a priority for me now. But like I said, lesson learned the hard way. So Boots are, were my number one thing, too. And I go back to, and you know, if Mitch was here, he would tell you, you know, I did complain quite a bit because my feet hurt bad, but I, I didn't stop hunting. But I couldn't get where I wanted to go as quick as I wanted. I just I just didn't hunt as hard as I could have if my feet were 100%. Because I, I went on a bighorn sheep hunt when my brother drew his tag. And really nasty terrain up there on Heart Mountain, like extremely nasty terrain when you're hunting that like Warner area, the Warner peak or whatever they call it. And after like two days of doing that, running up and down the hills, cause I was, I was trying to get good shots cause I was filming it and everything. And, uh, my feet were literally disgusting. They were like hamburger by the time we even went to go hit the elk woods. Cause this right from the bighorn camp, we went straight to go elk hunting and, uh, we were hunting nasty wilderness stuff. Um, really, really steep stuff. And I'm like, man, my freaking feet are killing me. And then finally, when I took off my boots, Mitch is like, holy crap, that's bad. Like, now I see why you're complaining every freaking 10 steps. And, you know, we, you know, we got where we wanted to go, but it took me longer to get there. I was just not hunting as hard of as I could have been and just nearly wasn't enjoyable. It's It sucks walking on, like, no skin. Yeah, blisters it, and stuff. Yeah, it, that just takes the whole fun out of it, let alone if you kill an elk. That would really suck. 
so boots were my number one thing. I've been using um, Georgia boots for many years, and those things suck. I mean, I can I go through a pair a year wearing those things. I used to fight fire in them, you know, 10 years ago, and they'd last me like two or three years, and then I bought another pair, and then since then, I just can't get more than a year out of them. And granted, I wear them almost every day, but I'm not sure what happened. Either I started walking like an idiot, or they changed some sort of quality material, but the Georgia boots, and they're not made for what we're doing. I mean, really, they're not. But no. they're they're like 150 bucks brand new, 100 bucks brand new, and they're garbage. So I switched to Crispy. Um, literally, probably it's been a one year anniversary anniversary with Crispy using them, and they're starting to fall apart on me. Um, I like Crispy. I mean, the most comfortable boot I've ever wore, but they're just not holding up. Uh, granted, I almost wear them almost every day. So I don't know if that's realistic expectations, but I figured they'd last longer than than a year. I, I'm tempted to buy another pair of Krispies before elk season this year. So I've been running Solomon's for probably five or six years, mm-hmm. and I'm just now on my second pair. Um, and the first pair wasn't even – the sole and everything was still fine, mm-hmm. but their the lace – I guess the eyes, the eyelets. Oh, okay, yeah. They're riveted in. And one of them popped out, and it can't be fixed. So they warranted them, actually. Really? Yeah. And they were, I want to say almost three years old. Huh. But they sent me a new pair. So so that's just my second pair. Like I said, the first ones are still fine. It just won a lace problem. So That's not bad. Look. No, and my feet have never hurt in those things. Really? And I've hunted all sorts of different terrain. So I've never had a blister. I've never had anything. So... But they're more, they're not, they're definitely an early season boot. They're not, they're, you know, there's like mid tops mm-hmm. and they're pretty light. They're waterproof, but I think if you were to go try to wear them where you're going to be in snow all day, mm-hmm. they would, they, you would not have fun. Really? Yeah. So they're definitely an early season boot. Now I use them during late season around here, but that's just rain and stuff like that. And like I said, they're waterproof. So as long as they're not constantly soaked, mm-hmm. you're fine. But hmm. I, I wouldn't wear them. I went with a, uh, I think it was a six inch, and it was a, it was definitely a six inch Nevada, I think is the model of of the crispy. But I roll my ankles like, if I don't have that ankle support, I roll them so freaking easy. Like I roll them. <laughs> I wish Mitch was here because he'd tell you, yeah, he walks like an idiot and he rolls his ankle about every ten steps. <laughs> so, actually, didn't you and you? I think you noticed that last year because you're walking with me. Uh, we were, we were stocking some elk in the timber and, um, I can't, I can't forget if it was you that made that comment or not, but you're like, dude, what's, what's wrong? Um, so boots is, is that's funny. That's number one on both of our lists. Uh, number two, I have pack. So that's on my list. It's a little further down than number two. Hmm. Um, my number two is clothing and I'm not talking about any specific brand because I, I don't really want to just talk about one brand mm-hmm. so we'll say just whatever you can afford that's not cotton or your grandpa's blue jeans right so again learn this lesson the hard way so i was wearing uh asap back when they still just made like heavy cotton yeah clothing you know pretty much like wearing blue jeans with a pattern on them mm-hmm and it, I mean, it wasn't terrible, I guess, but, um, the guy I was hunting with, he 
bought a, you know, a better higher end brand of clothing. And he kept telling me, well, you got to start wearing this stuff and it's expensive. So I was like, go. So he finally got a second pair of, of this clothing, mm-hmm. which is a top and a bottom. And we're about the same size. So it was the following year. Uh, he was still trying to talk me into it. You know, it's so much better. You have to do it. And I'm like, I don't, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. Well, he had the second pair. So he just said, just throw these on and hunt for, you know, we were there for like three, four days again. He was just, just hunting these. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that trip, I was a hundred percent a believer. And this was what brand? So this was first light. First light. Okay. Yep. So it's just, I mean, you're still going to be hot. You're still going to be sweaty. You're still going to get tired. But you're as comfortable as you can be. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put clothing as number two. So you're taking care of your feet. And then if your body can be as comfortable as it can be, you're you're going to be able to go, I think this is their motto, but, you know, further and longer. longer. Yeah. Um, because if your body starts falling apart on you, then you're just, it's pretty much right. just a matter of time before you slow down. And um, that's why I also have one here. Um it goes under clothing. That's why I'm going to mention it now. Mm-hmm. Is underwear and socks. Well, that counts. Yeah. Yeah. So underwear, I wear their core four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge because if you just wear for me, anyways, maybe not everybody. For me, if I just wear like Hanes, just your regular everyday underwear, mm-hmm. it chafes so bad hmm. that you get same thing, super uncomfortable, and it walking hurts. Mm-hmm. So I started buying those core fours, and I think they're like twenty-five bucks a pair. Mm-hmm. That problem went away. Hmm. So, and then socks—I just wear wool socks, but I'll carry a second pair with me. So, well, I have clothing up there too, and I'm not afraid to mention brands because I'm—you know—I'll wear I'll wear anything. You can see I've got Killick, Sika, Predator camo, ASAT, and First Light right there in the closet. Yeah, I don't. I used to just buy Sika, but. Or it's not Sitka, sorry, First Light. Um, but now I have some Sitka. I have Pred- the Predator's new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some Killick also. And then what's my rain gear is Nomad. Okay. That's what my rain gear is. And I was really happy with that stuff last year. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not partial to one brand. So I'm not, you know. Saying, well, you have to wear first light, otherwise I'm your hunt's either. over. I'm not either. I do really like the ASAP pattern. That's my favorite pattern. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, that and Predator Camel, I grew up using that stuff. And if ASAP had the first light material, I'd be using ASAP still. But I really like the first light material or the Sitka material, that merino wool and stuff like that. I will say that it doesn't hold up very well if you don't have the right clothing for the environment that you're in. So I went through two pairs of obsidian pants um, at the Oregon coast within two weeks. I mean, they fell apart. And then I found out later, after I uh, kind of raised a st- rose a stink about it, that I needed the uh, corrugates, and they're stronger. They don't pull apart as easy. They're They're more scratch and tear resistant than the obsidians are. And those have been a great pant for over on the coast but they were a little bit thicker a little bit tougher um that's the only really really negative thing is from from first light from my experience is is the pants really aren't durable never had any any issues with the shirts or anything else but also i wasn't 
apparently I was using the wrong pant for the environment I was in. You get the pricklies and the blackberries and the devil's club and all that stuff. They'll fall apart on you. Yeah, I mean, I've I've torn a bunch of stuff at first light. Mm-hmm. Some of it's not their fault. Some of it I felt like it could have been tougher. But at the same time, you get something that's light and breathable. You're going to give durability up. is probably going to yeah. not be like a set of Carhartts. Yeah, well, that's why I started, you know, I really do like the Predator camo, but it's like just, it's a pair of jeans with, with really is. Well, now their newer stuff, I bought some of their newer stuff for the Coast Range. Yeah. Because I got tired of the same thing. You know, I'd go out. And in two days, I'd rip $600 worth of clothing. <laughs> I got tired of it. So I went, their Predator's new stuff is better. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like a cotton pant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also only, I bought a shirt, a jacket, and a set of pants for like 180 bucks. Really? Yeah. So hmm. if it gets ripped, I don't really care. I'm not going to go rip it on purpose. But where before, you know, like last year, packing my dad's elk out. I slipped and a uh, part of a root wad mm-hmm. hit me in the shoulder, not even very hard, mm-hmm. and it ripped through two shirts. Really? Well, it was a quarter zip hooded and then a t-shirt, so that's what? A million oh, dollars? Yeah, it's like $220 <laughs> worth of clothing. And I'm just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Start and it's crying. a big tear. So I'm yeah. like, well, that's awesome. Thank God for grandmas so that can sew. Yeah. <laughs> my grandma sewed my big old L on my butt cheek, um, on my obsidian pants. And then the, the Killick... Um, it's not, I wouldn't call it high performance, kind of like a mid-level. Um, yeah, it's But still, I've heard their customer service is non-existent. I could see that. Yeah. Because it's a big chain. Yeah. Chain store company. I was but, talking to a guy that had some stuff go wrong with it, and he's like, I can't even get a hold of anybody. Like, I can't. He's like, well, I because asked him how their customer service was. He's like, uh, what customer service? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. so and, and I tried Sitka last year for the first time, and uh, I ripped it on, like, day two. But same really? thing. It wasn't the clothes fault. Well, I've had Sitka, plenty of Sitka shirts and stuff like that, and and and, a, and that jacket right there, that um, Optifade, and that thing is five or six years old, and that mm-hmm. thing is still going strong. The sleeve, you can see um, unseamed on the collar of the sleeve, but um, really great jacket, and I've never had a problem with it. I've killed, you know, nice antelope in it and some other stuff over in eastern Oregon. That's usually where I wear that's over in eastern Oregon. But, uh, you know, so, so I, I totally agree that cl- clothing wasn't my number, my number two. It might, it very well could have been, but man, if you, if you're going cheap on that stuff, let's just pretend you get wet, you trip in a Creek, you're wearing cotton, it, whatever you're up at 8,000 feet and the storm blows in, you're screwed. Yeah. So, and that's another huge part of it is, okay. So you're more comfortable, but it recovers faster. So, mm-hmm. um, and I have a, a perfect story for what you just said. So. We were hunting um, that late season cow hunt over on the coast. Mm-hmm. It was me and Chase, and we went over there for the weekend. And uh, it was when it was it was one of those cold snaps a few years back where we're on the coast and it's in the single digits. Mm-hmm. Really weird for the coast, but that's what it was. So we got over there. And it's cold, anyways. But anyways, we make this big hunt, and we get down towards the creek, and we're having to cross the creek. It was more like a small river just because it's December, you know, that time of year. Mm. And we're about a mile and a half or two miles from the camp. We hunted straight out of camp. And we go to cross the creek, and we're going up the embankment on the other side, and I'm right in front of him. And he starts slipping, and (laughs) it was like slow motion. I reached for him to grab him (laughs) because he started going, like, straight backwards. Mm -hmm. And I missed, 
and he fell in the creek. And when I say fell in the creek, it was like a pool. Mm-hmm. All I could see once he was in the water was his fletchings of his bow, like struggling to get back to the surface. <laughs> and he comes flinging out of there. So he's completely submerged in water and we're in single digits. That would suck. And he gets out and he's like, he starts talking about his bow. You know, you think it's okay. It was just submerged. I'm thinking, when's this going to hit? Because he was just, it's freezing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see the look on his face and he's like, oh my God, I'm cold. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. So we start just booking it back to camp because, I mean, it's a serious situation. Yeah. I mean, you're soaking wet and it's in the single digits, you know, and we're, tent camping so we couldn't just Mm. go back to the trailer and warm up real quick so we start booking it by the time he got back to camp he's still freezing but his clothes were almost dry completely dry if Mm. you'd have done that and i'm gonna use carhartts again carhartts you know you'd be first off it'd probably be hard to move because you're gonna be so watered and weighted down Mm -hmm. and then they're gonna start bunching up on you so that was another eye-opener for me it was how much better this stuff is is it's like i mean like i said he was almost dry mm. so had had we been 20 miles from camp that could have made the difference of dying or living you know i right. mean if so and of course we made a fire and everything a really big fire that's a funny story on itself but <laughs> um well i want to go over the also the camo patterns because i honestly do believe there is a benefit to using certain camo patterns i do believe that but i also believe a cool camel pattern sells better than, you know, because I'll be straight up. I've killed so many deer in blue jeans and in a, in a whatever color shirt that. First deer I killed with a bow, I was wearing a black t-shirt. Yeah. We uh, we were over mule deer hunting, and Mitch killed a really nice three-point in a white, like, under tee, mm-hmm. like a white Hanes tee in blue jeans. He stood out like a freaking sore thumb. We ended up shooting a buck during rifle season. Um, I missed him like a million times, but Mitch shot him every time he shot. Uh, cause he's actually decent with a gun. Um, it's 60 yards. I mean that, I mean, honestly, I believe that a lot of the camo patterns, and this is just my personal belief and I'm probably not making any friends in the camo industry right now. I think it's more for marketing than it is for the animal. And I'm more worried if I could buy cheaper performance gear that didn't even, I mean, like for example, um, the color of firefighting pants, that green Nomex, mm-hmm. Um, that stuff blends in so well. Like when we used to fight fire, you could do, a lot of times you just see the yellow of the person, but you couldn't hardly see the bottom. So they don't. So from everything I've read, elk and deer don't see color necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, guys will, well, I'm going to be hunting in the desert. I need to buy something more brown. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily true no. because you could wear a predator, which is all green, mm-hmm. and to them, you're going to pretty much disappear. I mean, the color thing. It, Okay, maybe, it's, but it's, it's breaking the pattern. up your outline. Yep, it's it's and, and I think asset 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 really does a good job of that. It really does a great job of breaking up your your you know. And if you talk to somebody like um, South Cox, he also wears one of those full ghillie hats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it helps break up his outline. So, I mean, there's a lot of marketing that goes into camo, and I'm sure some of it is legit. But I think probably ninety percent of it is consumer more than the animal. I don't know if you've ever seen the test photos. So ASAP did a bunch of test photos. Mm-hmm. I think it's on their website. Mm-hmm. And they did it like in, I guess they took, the camera took the pictures like how a deer would see, mm-hmm. yeah, like the colors that mm-hmm. they actually see. And they set you out or set this person out at certain distances and certain things. 
in in that ASAP pattern, it kind of they kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. Where you take something, we'll say mossy oak, mm-hmm. which goes back to appealing to the customer, and it's just like this big black blob. Yeah, it it did not break them up at all. Yeah. So, well, moving on from that, I want to quote uh, Fred Bear, who said, "Stillness is your best camo." And I always go back to Jurassic Park. I'm such a huge dork. I go back to Jurassic Park when that one dude has the kids and their 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 SUVs upside down, and he's like, "Just stand still," you know. I'm like that's just like hunting an elk, and that T Rex is like looking at him, can't see him. Well, stillness is your best camo, and I still believe that because I've called bulls. I won't look at them. Yeah, don't yeah, don't look at them. I believe in that. I don't know if there's any science to that, <laughs> but if I am under 50 yards and they're looking at me, I will look at the ground. Hmm. I, I won't. I refuse to make eye contact. If with I them. can see the whites or start making out definitions in their eyes, I think that's way too close. But like 50 yards, I'll look at them. But I also think that now if they're looking at me, I just kind of like, well, you get that feeling on the back of your neck that something's watching you when you're out in the woods i maybe that's what's going on i mean why i think think what it is too is um i don't do it anymore and i'm gonna go back to it because it's stupid not to painting your face never done that see so you spend all this money on camo but then your face is just out there yeah i'm too good looking to do that (laughs) (laughs) some would argue (laughs) yeah so i mean you go um I just listened to one with Aaron Snyder. He mm-hmm. said the same thing. You, you spend all this money. He goes, but if you're out in the woods and you're looking for a deer, if you see part of its leg, it doesn't really stand out to you. But if you see that buck's face, mm-hmm. you instantly know what you're looking at. Right. It's the same thing. That's a good point. So, and I, I used to not, not face, you know, put. What about paint. face masks? Like uh, the. You could use those. Neck shroud over the. It would be the same thing. But what I don't like about those is if you're wearing it for more than a minute. Mm-hmm. It starts getting hot, mm. and then if it covers your mouth or your nose, you start getting condensation buildup. Yeah, so they are nice for the skeeters, though. I really, yeah. I wear a neck shot a lot of times just to keep the skeeters off my neck and my ears and stuff. Yeah, I mean, look at my legs. Yeah, they end up like me. Yeah, look like you got shot by a shotgun. Yeah. So that is um, that's a really good one, but I don't think that was my number two. My number two was pack. Uh, I've been using Cabela's that bow rifle pack for six five or six years and I was like I loved it you know I my shoulders would hurt after a pack and and you know I just thought that was normal um, never really knew how to set up a pack but I could I could carry my bow I could carry my rifle I could carry everything I needed and pack out a blacktail all in my pack be done with it I packed literally whole blacktails quartered out in my pack plenty of times and uh, finally, I started seeing all these guys using the higher end, the Kafaru or the Exo, or whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to go there. The higher end packs. I'm like, there's got to be something to it outside of just looking cool and in having the nicest gear. But the $650 pill to swallow was like, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, finally, I pulled the trigger on the Exo, um, the K2 5500. I think that's what it's called, and game changer for me and that's why it's number two is because not only could i pack more but i i feel like i could pack twice as much or what i was packing in my old pack and putting it in my new pack it felt like it was twice as light like it was half as much weight yeah and my shoulders were never hurting after packs i I could do everything i wanted the pack will outpack me i can't pack i mean i literally mitch mitch took my pack i took his and there had to be what 
I think you even did you wear it for a second? There had to be 180, 200 pounds in uh, that pack. You guys hosed me on that pack out. That's all <laughs> I'm gonna say. So uh. <laughs> let me run through that real quick. We completely deboned this bull, Mitch's bull. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did the whole first half. Yeah. I was quartering it out. I was quartermaster. And I'm looking around. And I'm like, where'd all those meat bags go? They shoved an entire half an elk <laughs> in my pack. And then three people split the other half and a head. Yeah. Mitch took the head. And I had, well, in my, okay, in my pack, there was at least 180 pounds. I mean, there was a lot of weight. You must have got the shoulders. I got both. I got the front and rear quarter on that one side mm. and the back strap. Okay. Hosed me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shelby, Shelby didn't pack anything, did she? She packed, I think, the other back strap, the tenderloins, and then yeah. all the camera gear and stuff. Okay, yeah. And then between me and Mitch, I mean, my, my XO, I, I loaded that thing full thinking because we were only, I don't know, we are pretty close to the truck. Yeah, that, that wasn't. Uh, it was an easy pack, but yeah. man, that I could barely stand up. And then eventually I ended up just switching Mitch. It was like, why am I killing myself over such a short pack? Like, it didn't make sense. But that pack literally could, I mean, I put that thing to the ringer. I've had more weight in that pack than probably what should have been in there. I've, I'm not nice to my gear. I, if I, last thing I want to worry about when I'm out in the woods is my gear. I just use it. I don't worry about how hard I'm being on it, really. If I'm, you know, I, I don't want to damage it, obviously, but I'll drag my bow on the ground with me when I'm stalking an animal or whatever it may be. Well, I loaded that thing freaking down as heavy as I could, and it's still just as nice as it was when it was brand new. I will say that it's a little bit louder material. Um, whatever material they use on that, um, it's, it's a little loud. But uh, I think I'd go with the 3500 just because I don't need the 5500 and it's it's just more than what I can pack. Yeah, so I, I'm running the Eberly Stock Blue Widow, mm. and I think it's like a 53. Yeah. So, or 53 or 52, one of the two. It's right. In, it doesn't say on it, but I've looked it up. It's like yeah. a, it's right in there somewhere. We joke around that yours is like super heavy. Yeah, so. I have to hold mine down because it would float away. Yeah, so I've had mine <laughs> six or seven years. And so here's my theory with that. Okay, so, okay, <laughs> on packs in the same size, it's probably the heaviest. Yeah. When you're talking about, like, XL, Kafaru, Kuyu, any any of the higher-end packs, it's right. probably the heaviest. But, so, yours weighs six, mine weighs seven. You put 120 pounds of meat on your back, are you going to be like, oh, no, this one weighs 121. <sighs> this Eberly stock is heavy. Yeah, no, it's it, heavy is heavy, you know. Now, if it weighed 15 pounds, that'd, that'd be, be different. ridiculous. But it's like it's like a pound, pound and a half. It's and not. How how long have you had that pack? At least six years. I and bet. it's still working great. Yeah, I yeah. Well, I think I hauled out like four or five animals with just oh. last year. What was the price point on that thing? Um, so you had to buy the. It's called like a butt bucket. It's just for your bow. It's the mm-hmm. like pouch on the bottom to yeah. carry bow. With that, I think I paid like. 550 okay so you're up there almost with the exos and the yeah and that was like six seven years ago yeah so so you pay for what you get in packs i honestly believe that would you ever go back to a cheap pack after having an expensive one no never no way in hell no and you could not pay me enough that pack will last many many years that exo will and i think you're going to get the same quality with kafaro and your ability stock stone glacier metcalf all these popular companies that I've never used Kafaru, Metcalf, or Stone Glacier guys. I don't have any experience with them. But Anthony and I's pack, I've seen those in action, and they're great. Yeah, they're I've fun. never never had a problem yeah. with it. It just, well, like I said, I packed out half an elk, and then I did that twice last year with that pack. Yeah. I packed out that Roosevelt with it, too, and that was horrible. 
<laughs> but that's a lot of meat. And, a lot it, of and it wasn't because of the pack wasn't comfortable. It's because it was insanely steep and I had literally half an elk on my back. Yeah. And I was hurting the next day. Yeah. But And there's a story behind that too. That Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, the best worst day of hunting I've had in a long time. <laughs> Um, so that involved the tow truck guys. Maybe we'll talk about, uh, <laughs> talk about that one later, but so we've got boots, pack clothing, uh, pretty much in that order somewhere, somewhere around that, maybe clothing number two. What's your number four? So, uh, <laughs> scratch them out as you go. That's where it gets my, like I said, my list is just stuff that I'm not going without. I know, I, know, um, I know what mine is. So, I would have to say next, like if I had to pick, would probably be the rangefinder. Yes, <laughs> that's what um, mine is. And that's even kind of like I was telling you downstairs. You know, even shooting a stick bow, mm-hmm. my accuracy is so much better knowing where I'm actually standing. And then, I mean, obviously, if you're like from here to the wall who care you know who cares but it's just it makes such a difference mm-hmm. you know if you if i think that deer is at 25 and i shoot it for 25 but really he was 32 okay my judging wasn't very far off but that's a miss compared to a hit or mm-hmm. or even worse wounding it you know so i would say rangefinder so same here because I've missed so many animals because I didn't range, or have a rangefinder, or take the time to range it, that it's almost to the point where I might as well just not even bring arrows on my release. Like I, my mental rangefinder is so broken, and yeah, I mean the only one of the only shoots I've ever to- got top two in, um, it was unmarked. But literally every time, every target, I was like, that's thirty. No, that's 35. And you're like, dude, stop adding yardage. Like, usually you're right. You're, it, 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 my gut was right. But I kept adding that extra yardage and just second-guessing myself, causing me to miss shots, causing me to lose confidence. Just It was just a slippery slope. But um, long story short, and I don't know how I won that one. Like, I got second place, and I shot decent. But, I mean. Nobody was there. No one was there. Yeah, there must have been, like, five shooters that day. Uh, but I will honestly say that a rangefinder has played such a huge success in my putting meat in the freezer that it's up there with a pack. I mean, and having a rangefinder with a um, angle compensation, mm-hmm. mine has rifle and bow. I would not suggest my rangefinder because after originally I had the um, the it was a Bushnell um, GX or G Force or GX Force or whatever it was called. Like a four hundred and forty dollar rangefinder, right? The first one I had, it was awesome. Got stolen. Forgot at my truck. Didn't lock my truck. Well, I'm like, I'm gonna, I love that rangefinder. It's quick. It goes all the way out to like twelve hundred yards or something like that, and it works for both my rifle and my bow. I want that rangefinder again. So I bought two since then of the exact, and neither of them can hold anything compared to that first rangefinder. Same exact model, everything. So, I two out of three of that rangefinder have absolutely sucked. Like I can't range. 3d targets because it won't it won't range 3d targets half the time it's it's driving me insane so i'd probably go to like a sig kilo 2000 so yeah that's i went to sig this year you did yep and i came from the vortex one 
Vortex was a horrible range finder. <laughs> it is so slow. So, <laughs> And it doesn't show you what you're shooting until you shoot it. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge Vortex fan. I have Me rifle too. scopes. I have their, That's what I use for a spotting scope, binos. I would not their buy their range, range finder. Their range finder was horrible. Yeah. And I don't know if the, the new one's any better. I hope so. I've never played with it. Mm-hmm. So I bought that in just in good confidence, I guess. It was horrible. It just yeah. it did better in fog than my previous one, but it just is so slow. And it's supposed to be a thousand yard rangefinder, and anything past, well, it depended on what it was. So that bear this spring, mm-hmm. I couldn't even range it. It was only a little over five hundred yards. Yeah, but because it was a black object at five hundred, it, it would not. It just flat out would not give me a reading. So, what good is a rangefinder if it won't even work? Yeah. So I went to that Sig, and that thing will range. 800 yards faster than my vortex would range 50 yards mm-hmm. i mean it is just as fast as you push the button it's and it's got good reading. glass yeah everything so i bought yeah. one for me and one for shelby and i no regrets so far and it does compensations yeah yeah see that's a must-have for a bow hunter i mean we hunt oregon where a lot of it's steep you really need those angle adjustments i used it on my hunt recently well in april um i use it literally every year i used it on that buck i shot last year um, I actually shot that elk last year on flat ground, so I didn't need it there. But more times than not, I'm using angle adjustments um, when I'm shooting stuff. And it's gotten to the point now where I pretty much can tell you what the rangefinder is going to say for for angle cuts and stuff like that. But the yeah, rangefinder is not drastic. Like no, it's think. not. It's just three or four yards if it's a bad cut and or pretty far. But, um, you know, rangefinders played a huge role. And, and the SIG Kilo has got good glass. It's really clear. It's pretty small and light. I mean... It's a great all-around rangefinder, and it's long enough for you to use your, use it for rifle season too. Yeah. So, what's your number five, or what's your next one? So I had wrote down binos, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know that that would necessarily be number five, just because if I'm hunting the timber over here on on the west side, I can't see further than fifty yards. Right. Usually, so I mean I'm. I'm taking good binos with me, but I don't know if that's number five. I'd say um, it depends on where you're hunting. Yeah. Now, if I go somewhere where I'm going to be able to spend time behind glass or have mm-hmm. an opportunity to glass quite a bit, then yeah. But Or like when we spring bear hunt over here yeah. and we're just looking at clear cuts. You need good glass. I would never not go without good glass. It would. It's just terrible. <laughs> so, right. I bring my binoculars with me on every hunt, um, but depends. I mean, if you're if you are hunting an area where you can glass, good glass is a must. You need a good set of binoculars or a good spotting scope. And I use Vortex. It's not. I don't. I'm saying you need good stuff. I use the cheap bino- binoculars that are way too big for my bino harness. I get made fun of quite a bit. For yeah, it. I don't understand why you haven't done that. Because <laughs> I don't want to spend a grand on binos, but I really should. But um, you know, I use the 10 by 50 uh, Diamondbacks. They're not, they're a pretty cheap model, but they're they're good enough to where I can still pick stuff out pretty darn far. I mean, I, I if I had a better pair of binos, I, I might be able to have a little bit more success with them. But I, I I'm plenty effective with the binos that I have, and that's why I haven't. And I've always got something else higher on the priority list to get or buy than than binos. But Honestly, if you're hunting Eastern Oregon or you're hunting an old burn where you can glass across canyons or something like that, or you're like you're saying, spring bear hunting, 
and you're glassing units all day, then yeah, you need a good set of glass. These $50 bush Bushnells probably aren't going to cut it if you're glassing farther than 300 yards. Yeah. Straight up. Um, the, the the Vortexes are pretty heavy, though, the Diamondbacks. That's the one downside of the ones that I have is that they're pretty darn heavy, and you really do start seeing the 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 lack of quality past 400 yards, Yeah. 500 yards. I run the Viper HDs from Vortex. Those are good binos. Yeah, so I've been happy with them. That's what I run for a spotting scope also. Um, the one thing I've noticed about the spotting scope, I mean, it's great, crystal clear. Um, even when you zoom all the way in, it stays clear. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, no, I've never screwed around with too much other stuff, but if it's low light and you have to zoom in all the way, it it doesn't draw very much light. I noticed that because when we compared yours, granted mine has a 30 millimeter eyepiece, with a 80, I think, objective lens. It's mm-hmm. huge, and it gathered a little bit more light than yours, but yours was definitely more easier to use than my Leopold um, SX2 Kenai, which I would not suggest buying for 1200 bucks. Yeah, I, I'm happy <laughs> with mine. I mean, but that's just one downfall I've noticed. Yeah. But, I mean, we're talking like it, it almost wouldn't matter because when you cross that line with it, if, if you're all the way zoomed in, you're probably looking at over 1,000 yards, mm-hmm. and we're talking like the last half hour of light. So you're, it probably would it's not going to make or break you anyways because right. you're not going to do get, anything with get that. that distance. Um, so very small setback compared to how happy right. I am with it. So so when I talk about binos, I should also say that I include with harness. Yeah, but your harness is horrible. Yeah, it's great harness, <laughs> but it's like six sizes too small for my yeah. binoculars. We should go buy you a new one. I, uh, even the guy this. from FHS is, or FHF is like <laughs> – Either, either buy new binoculars or buy a buy our bigger harness. Like you, you're, <laughs> you look ridiculous. I bought a new harness yesterday. What'd you get? I went with the Badlands just because it. I went in there and looked at a bunch of different ones, and I really did not care about which brand. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to fit them good, and I wanted uh, magnet gloves. I didn't want zipper or the the drawstring. Yeah, I like the drawstring. I, I like the magnets. It's just, and it, it makes a better seal, I feel like. Hmm. So it keeps, if it's raining, it'll keep moisture out of there, hopefully better. But um, I landed on the Badlands, just it fit me best. I went in and even, I found all the ones that would fit my binos. Mm-hmm. And then I started trying them on and it just fit me the best. So that's what I ended up with. Because hmm. who cares that it's not, you know, Alaska Guide gear. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not saying that's a bad harness at all, but if it doesn't fit me right, Right. It doesn't matter just because it says a name on it. I don't care. Right. The, the top ones I can think of are FHF, the marsupial, the Alaska uh, ones you just said. Yeah, I've Alaska Guide Gear. Badlands has good ones. Um, so just pick which one you want, and hopefully you can go to a shop where you can shoot your bow with it on because I know some guys that the string will catch their vinyl harness. And that was another thing. So um, like the FHF one, uh, Shelby has that one. Mm-hmm. But with me shooting a recurve, I am 99% just the way my form is different compared to someone shooting a compound. I'm almost positive my string would catch that thing. Really? Yeah. So just because it has the outer pockets and stuff, you know, it's it's got mm-hmm. a little more bulk to it. And like I said, nothing against them. I mean, that's just their design, and I own one. You know, Shelby is running one of those. So I'm not saying don't get those. I'm just saying if you can, try them on, um, you know, just kind of. Go play with them. I mean, right. I would have probably bought that Alaska gag gear one offline if if I wouldn't have gone in and tried them on. Right. Which, so, if you have the 
chance to try stuff like that, I'll always do it. That's the same reason I've, like, Kafaru packs, I've always wanted to, not not that i not happy with my Everly stock, but when I replace it, it won't be with another one. Mm-hmm. But with the Car- Kafarus, I can't try them on. There's nowhere around here that has them. Right. So it's going to be hard to want to buy one when I can't. I don't want to spend yeah. $900 and get it and be like, this thing does not fit me. Well, the thing with the Exo is that you could try one on if you go to the Full Draw Film Tour or you go to um, like uh, one of these shoots around here. I guarantee you can probably try one on. So, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of these guys, like the first light, you can't try them on. So if you're just getting into buying their stuff, I guarantee you're probably going to buy something too small or something like I mean, the sizing charts for these some of these companies, is, I don't know who did their sizing, but a lot of it just doesn't make sense. Um, like, I'm a medium. Um, pretty – medium fits me perfectly, but there's some other guys that are medium, like a little bigger medium and or a little lankier, and, and it just doesn't match them. But with the with – the, getting back to the packs you can actually adjust those to your height you can adjust those to your body size and everything and it just really makes a bigger difference like i'm the small waist belt on a 32 inch waist i believe on the xl and man those things are nice i mean if i was going to go buy another pack it'd either be an xo or a kafara just because i trust i trust who's making it they got way too much behind them backing them i mean you got two good companies there but so uh, Bino harnesses with harness. That's number six, I believe, or no five. So, what is number six for you? Uh, or the next one on your list? I would say water filter. A water filter. Yeah. So you're going backcountry. Well, needs. Even if you're only three miles in there, mm-hmm. I'm not going to carry a gallon and a half of water with me. Yeah. On me. So Mitch will roll the dice out of the smallest running creek you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> with with a water filter, I will. Well, um, yeah, with a water filter, he's just putting his water bottle in it. And then no, nope, not me. <laughs> uh, a good water filter doesn't cost you very much money. Twenty, thirty bucks. Yeah, I think mine cost like twenty five dollars. Yeah, I and, got that straw one. Yeah, so mine comes from that same company, Sawyer or whatever it is. S a w y e r, I think is what it is. I don't remember. I think that's probably right though. But last year, I think it was last year, me and Ryan were back there, mm-hmm. and we couldn't find water. So we're like, okay, whatever. Well, we finally found water, and there was some free-range cattle. So you, and it is, it is like a barely a trickle. Like you're having to dig to make it deep enough to where you can lay the bag in it. Seriously? Yeah. And but it was it was a hundred degrees. You know, I'm I'm thirsty. So <laughs> I drink my own piss before I do yeah, that. <laughs> so so we're filtering water, and you can bleep this out if you want. I, Ryan is like 40 <laughs> yards to my right That's and gross. we're trying to filter water and I hear him go, there's literal shit in this water. <laughs> and I look and a cow had taken a dump right Ew. in the stream and he's right below it trying to filter water. Well, we filtered it and it came out crystal clear. None of us got, neither one of us got sick. Did it taste good? Um, Had a little bit of weird taste to it. it tasted kind of shitty. No, <laughs> but... You know, we got two, three bottles of water out of that. So without that filter, you know, what's that? Almost 50 ounces of water we wouldn't have had. So I use the, uh, because there's the dairy pen, right? Or the stereo pen. It's anyways, it's a thing that you can even use it on a water bottle. You can drink Mm -hmm. straight from the straw thing. It's really cool. They sell at Waldron's. I'm sure that's where you got yours. Mine is like a 
little filter with a bag, and you can just squeeze that straight into your mouth if you wanted to. I think to. mine's – yeah, but you can also attach it to a water bottle. I think so. Yeah, I think we got the same one then. So um, I'm going to replace it this year just because I didn't clean it last year, mm, and I had stored it for six months. Yeah. So for – Probably growing some new disease in there. Yeah, for for under 30 bucks, I'll just buy a new yeah. one. Probably like gonorrhoeposyphiloids. Oh, guaranteed. <laughs> so water filter is way up there on my list. So – yeah, that's that's a good one. I don't think did I have that one on here? Nope, you're gonna die. <laughs> you got one that I um I have a water bladder, but that's under convenience items. But that doesn't matter if you <laughs> if you run out of water. Yeah, you're like that guy off of dodgeball because it's sterile and I like the taste. Yeah, <laughs> dude, when it's a hundred degrees and you have uh, no water. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Like, it was it was <laughs> I had to forget where the water came from to drink it, but yeah, I knew it was safe to drink. So for. I was really trusting that water filter to make it safe to drink. Right. Well, shout out to Sawyer's uh, yeah. filtration because you guys didn't get sick, so that's good. Yeah, drinking literal poop water, and we made it. <laughs> Although I've seen Bear Grylls squeeze poop and drink that. Really? So, that's gross. Well, on TV, I've never seen it personally. Uh, so mine would be knives. That's way um, up on my list. That's probably what I'd say next. I'm I'm not a, I'm not going to say I'm a, I'm a knife connoisseur or knife Nazi, but I've been using the same knife. Or style of knife for years and years and years. And I have so many extra old blades of it. But I use the Outdoor Edge, um, which is a replaceable knife one. And I've been using that. And I carry a uh, sharpener with me. I carry a couple, three or four extra blades. And I can sharpen that thing because I think it's pretty cheap steel. Let's probably be honest. It's, they, they, they do keep their edge for a little while, but if you're going to do an elk, you're going to need a couple of them. So I just have that little sharpener and granted I'm, I'm putting it in joints and stuff. I'm, you know, jarring it in places where it probably shouldn't be hit, scraping bone with it. But, um, that sharpener brings it back within 20 seconds and I'm good to go. And then if, if I do get tired or if I don't have my sharpener, I have those extra ones there and I can just switch them out pretty quick. Uh, but those are the those are the knives I use. One thing that I I really do use, and I don't really see a lot of other guys carrying them, is flay knives. Yeah, I always carry a flay knife, and I always carry a bone saw. Um, I use flay knives because it's so easy to get in places rather than using a hard fixed edge, having something that can bend around stuff and getting that all the meat. Um, like especially the back straps, I like using a flay knife on the back straps. It makes it so quick and easy. Um, it's just a good set of knives, man. I mean, that's really all it is. So what about you? Uh, yeah, I run the outdoor edge also. I can't find it here recently, but really? it's, it's there somewhere, but that is what I use. And then, uh, last year I got, um, just a buck knife, mm-hmm. like, like the actual brand buck knife, you know, and it's just a fixed blade knife, but I was really happy with that thing. It's super sharp. And on my dad's elk, we used that knife the entire time. Really? And never once had to touch it up. Hmm. So that's now I don't have a ton of experience with knives just because I've mostly just used that outdoor edge. But that is probably the only knife I've ever seen that can do an hmm. entire elk and not have to be touched once. So, And that's the same thing. That is scraping bone, doing everything. Right. And it was still pretty sharp when we were done. I'd like to try that new Altitude by Benchmade. Yeah, I just don't like the price point. It is expensive. Um, so that that's my hang-up on that. So yeah. I've got this outdoor edge that I like a lot. That's 50 bucks. Right. Less than that. Yeah, I can say it might 35 be less. 35 
I think this last time I that saw buck him. knife was right around that forty fifty dollar mark, and it is, it it has proven itself now yeah. too. And it's like I've got a few buck knives, and I had one when I was about seventeen, and my uncle gave it to me, and I think it was called a jack knife. Yeah, I don't know uh, which model it had this a one is. Belt hook on the on the back of the knife, like on the handle. Oh. You could hook it on your belt. One of the sharpest knives that held its edge, and I don't even think it was that expensive. And I lost it, uh, you know me, and haven't ever been able to find another one. But that was a really good knife. So if anybody knows where they can find one, let me know. Yeah, I don't know which model mine is, but yeah, it stays in the pack now. Hmm. So, so knives are huge. Do you carry a, a flay knife with you, or bone saw, or anything like that? Uh, I I have a bone saw. Um, so I'll have a bone saw, uh, and then that outdoor edge is pretty much all I used to carry. And now that buck knife will be in there. Hmm. So, um, and then usually I carry something to sharpen it, even if it's just a little one. Mm-hmm. Might not make it back to normal, mm-hmm. but it, it's better than nothing. So, hmm. what about? Uh, so we're talking knives. What kind of? And and I know because you and I've hunted together. What kind of method do you prefer for the actual field dressing and quartering out and stuff like that? Uh, well, it depends what you're doing. Like on Shelby's, I just quartered it. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it off the bone. Um, but I was also fighting time on that because right. we were separated. So it was just me and her and that thing died right in just the worst spot. It was completely in the sun. Right. You know, it was probably, we were, yeah, it was probably what high eighties that day. We were in a timber stand, but you found the only patch of non-timber in that whole timber yeah. stand. So, <laughs> so I was looking at, I'm going to have to pack this thing out by myself. Yeah. And I didn't want to lose any meat, and it was getting hot, and it was getting hot quick, and flies were showing up. So mm-hmm. I was I was really racing time on that thing, I felt like. So I just quartered that one. But normally I'd say take it off the bone just because mm-hmm. you get it away from the bone, which is going to help cool it. Right. Plus elk legs aren't light. So, no. you know, if that's more weight you can get off of it, the better. What about the gutless method? Yeah, use that. I love that. I don't see why you'd gut it. There's really no need to. I'm trying to think of the last animal that I actually gutted. Last I one I gutted it. was... Uh, oh, I know mine. Yeah. Beatty's Butte. With a, with a few for a years ago. Yeah. yeah, that was probably five years ago. But Same here. I shot it standing two feet away from the four-wheeler. <laughs> so I <laughs> gutted it and threw it on the four-wheeler. Oh, okay. So that's a lot different situation. Yeah. But I was on a youth hunt, and we ended up. I think we ended up gutting that one. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. No, it's because I wanted to show the kid how to gut. He'd never gut. And so I literally told him, start, and I'll help you where you need to go. It was Dustin Parker's little brother. And uh, showed him how to gut and elk, pretty much. I mean, and that was uh, that was just a learning experience for him. I probably should have showed him the gutless method, though. <laughs> that probably would have been better. But yeah, the gutless method, I can get, I mean, my dad was against the gutless method for a while because he's like, how are you getting the tenderloins? You know, you're not getting the tenderloins. I'm like, you can get the tenderloins. I did a video on it. I almost forgot Shelby's Bulls last year. Yeah. Because I got in such a hurry. And then yeah. by the time you guys showed up, I was, I was exhausted. Yeah. Breaking a bull down by yourself is no joke. I mean, right. Shelby was trying to help me hold the legs and stuff, but the, she just couldn't help as much mm-hmm. as another full grown man, you know? Right. I mean, that's just obvious but not that she wasn't trying but it's like by the time you guys found us i was freaking beat yeah and i didn't start packing yet i know we should have waited like another hour until you got at least a couple quarters back to the truck <laughs> well <laughs> i think i was getting ready to leave for the first time when you, you guys showed up yeah so 
You ran out of flagging too because we we were trying to find. Oh yeah, you. it was horrible. Yeah. So that but, is next on my oh, list. Oh mine too. Well yeah, mine too. Ribbon, <laughs> ribbon, and flagging. Um, I'm notorious for as soon as I shoot, um, I either leave something there or I flag it, so I know where I shot from, and then I'll flag exactly where the animal is standing, and then I flag every drop of blood mm-hmm. that needed. Um, to see literally a visual of what that animal's doing through the timber. So you can just visually see where the ribbon's going, you know, what trail he may be going towards. It's really easy to see when you have that stuff, that ribbon out there on a blood trail, um, if you're having to track, it makes your job way easier. I mean, I'm a really, really visual person. It just literally, you can follow the ribbon and see where that thing's going to go. Yeah. So uh, ribbon is huge, and especially at night, if you're having to pack some or, or walk somebody in there, um, I'll flag my way in, I'll flag my way out, whatever it may be. Um, ribbon is really huge. Yeah. Like I think it's about four years ago. I shot a bull that, um, I was with Ryan and we were hunting with Chase and Bryson and, and I think Wyatt was there, but anyways, we were running as two separate groups mm-hmm. and me and Ryan got on this herd and, uh, that's funny is when Chase dropped us off, we had never been in there. Mm-hmm. We hunted this area for a long time but we'd never been in this drainage and it was big and he dropped us off for the evening he was going to come pick us up and when he dropped us off he goes all right guys don't get lost (laughs) and we both made stupid comments you know like i don't get lost and ryan's like oh i'm a homing pigeon don't worry about us (laughs) so we get into elk right away really but we're it wasn't like through calling or anything we just kind of bumped them Mm -hmm. well this herd was huge so we would get busted but there were so many elk two cows busted us they would just group up with 50 other elk and the other elk wouldn't know what was going on so they just relax hmm. so anyways we ended up chasing these elk just up down sideways miles and uh that was we started at like one o'clock and i ended up shooting that bull right before dark and um we started you know tied some ribbon off and stuff and i looked at ryan and i go uh do you know where we are? And he looked back <laughs> at me and he goes, I was really hoping you did because I have no idea. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, ribbon. We had, it looked, I mean, it was like solid streamers leaving there because we had no idea where we were going. Mm-hmm. So, we were going out to get chasing them, but it's like, if we don't have a clear way to get back in here, we don't even know where we're at. So, right. we're not going to know how to get back here probably just on our own. We didn't have a GPS at the time, so ribbon played a huge part of that yeah because they were making fun of us on the way in they're like you guys afraid or what because i mean it was just it would be 30 foot sections of just solid (laughs) ribbon and then we would wait like uh, you know 40 yards and then do it again but it's Mm -hmm. like we didn't know where we were going right so it's important i mean and it's something that's easy to not pack yeah i mean or like with you you saying you know i ran out of ribbon Mm -hmm. that day she shot her bull i was marking that for you guys and for me Hmm. because I'd never been in there, so I didn't want to get to the truck. I knew where the truck was, but I didn't want to not be able to find my way back into it. Right. So it's everything kind of looks the same. In oh there. yeah. Um. So ribbon ribbon is huge, and I take I take two rolls. <laughs> There's four rolls in my bag. Yeah. Right now. I mean, because I ran out really doesn't go very far. <laughs> no, I ran out last yeah. year, so yeah. there's four in there now, and they're like, they're not. You don't have to go buy the mossy oak brand stuff. That's like. It's still not expensive, but it's like five bucks a roll. I go to Buy Mart and get the construction stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the same stuff, and it's like ninety-seven cents. Yeah. And I know some guys that carry ghost glow sticks. I've heard of that. I've never done it. Yeah, if you if you think you're going to kill one at night, 
That'd be good for bear season, for spring bear. So when you're packing out, because it, usually it's like a dark. Um, granted, you're probably killing it in a unit anyways. But uh, So ribbon and flagging, we got knives. Um, I got first aid and fire stuff on mine. Did you have that one? I did not. <laughs> I'll just use Cause the you're moss. Because you're not a safe hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just... <laughs> I'll just use the moss from a tree and <laughs> clock the wound. There you go. Your belt is a whatever yeah. the tourniquet. Tourniquet. So uh, so first aid. I just you know I I don't even have like the born and raised guys do. Like I can't sew anybody up. Um, but I do have bandages and gauze pads and um, I think I carry uh, in mine that uh, wrap stuff mm-hmm. like that stretchy stuff you'd put over like a sprained ankle. And I also carry a little bit, like a whistle, a compass, and a... Um, <laughs> carry a rape whistle. A rape whistle, yeah. Help, help, help me. Uh, <laughs> and and a few matches and stuff like that. And this stuff that's like, if you fart on it, it would start on fire. It's whatever... That's just the woods in September. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you could have that freak storm and, and you know, we, we've been snowed on and stuff, so... We've been snowed on plenty of times. Yeah. It'll be 95 degrees and then a day and a half later boom. it's... There's snow on the ground and you're freezing cold. Exactly. So you never know. I mean, I carry that stuff in my pack. And uh, next would probably be I, I always always carry elk stuff, um, bugle and reeds and stuff yeah, like calls that. Yeah, and stuff. Uh, what's something else that you carry that's a must-have? Game bags. I have that on my list. And um, meat sacks as well. Yeah, I, I use. Now I'm not running like the hundred-dollar Kuyu bag, mm-hmm. but I buy better bags. Yeah. Um, I've used pillowcases. Yeah, it, I mean, even that's <laughs> it. It's gonna keep it clean. Yeah. Um, the problem, like, and I've ran like canvas bags, mm-hmm. um, which I liked them, and it's great if you're gonna be hunting when it's cold. Mm-hmm. But the problem with those thick canvas ones is the meat won't breathe. Right. So if it's hot, you're gonna run into issues. So you want one that can breathe, but that's gonna keep everything off of it. Um, right. Especially flies and bees and stuff. Yeah. So, because those flies are on it when it's hot, I mean, almost immediately. Yeah, it's it's within minutes. Fast. It seems like so. Yeah. So yeah, I, I carry the cheaper, um, like the Biomart ones, uh, the ones that are pretty breathable. But I also carry a couple thicker ones, like pillowcases, um, maybe for the back straps and stuff, like the, all the little scraps and meats and the flanks and stuff like that. And typically, we're taking it straight back to the truck. We're not hanging it overnight. Like I don't, I've never left. Uh, I left one elk overnight. It was fine the next morning it was actually one of the most best eating elk i've ever had um we gutted it and everything and, and got almost the skin off of it and left a sh- couple shirts around it but it was like absolute winter storm come, came in it was a late season um rifle tag and uh anyways that that meat was still good and everything but when i'm taking these pillowcases i'm not hanging it in these pillowcases i don't want people to think that i'm doing that because that's a good way to build mold mm-hmm. um, get just bad meat really is is what it is, and we're putting it in, in a cooler or on ice as fast as possible, really. Um, but it, you know, if I did have to put it in a creek, I'd put it in like a. Uh, I've heard some guys putting it in garbage bags in creeks, dumping it in creeks to keep the meat cool, or um, stuff like that. So, um, and I, I do want to keep my bag cool, so I'm thinking about bringing uh, garbage bags to keep my my exo clean from uh, all the stink from the meat. Um, that's just because typically we're still hunting after we get done packing that back out. Yeah. Does yours unzip from the frame? Um, mine does. Okay. So, yes. so does mine. Cause last year, by the time, 
by the last animal I packed out, which was my dad's elk in December, mm-hmm. uh, and that bag was soaked all day. Then it got bloody, dirty, just gross. Plus, I hadn't cleaned it from all the other animals that last year. That bag reeked. Yeah. So I had to take it off the frame and wash it probably five times before it smelled normal again. But Yeah. I think having a clean bag that smells normal is important. I mean, you're out there, you're doing all this stuff, wearing the nice camel, trying to keep your scent down, all this other stuff. But then you have what smells like a dead animal in your bag. That almost counter Wolves, dude, that's what I'm worried about. Wolves. Well, that's that's becoming a concern. <laughs> yeah, so you <laughs> um, saying scent control. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do anything with scent control. I care less because I'm, I'm sweaty, smell yeah. like it's just gross. Same here. Wind checkers. Ah, I didn't have that. You ah. son of a gun. See? I'm writing that one down. Professional. <laughs> So wind checker, uh, I, I go check through, the wind yeah. every forty yards I move because you, yeah. it freaking and people make fun of me. I'm the same way, but I I will take twenty steps and check the wind mm-hmm. because you can do whatever you want. You will never get an elk or deer to not trust his nose. You can be wearing the right. fanciest camo and get him to look at you once and go, well, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But if he smells you, game over. It's game over every time. Game over. I think you and I are probably identical on that one because when you and I were stalking that bull that was bugling and then Mitch and Shelby were hanging back, you and I both pretty much had our bow in our left hand and our wind checker yeah. in our right. And it was like almost a competition to see who could blow more wind checker. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, like, it's it, really important. It takes two seconds and then, you know, you might just have to walk 100 yards to your right, but mm-hmm. that will save it. Or you could just try to ignore it and hope for the best. Well, it's not going to work. Yeah. Or it could, because the wind could be in your favor. But if you're not checking it, you'll never know. Are you it, as cheap as I am where you've actually put, like, flour <laughs> in your wind checker? Wind checker's like three bucks. <laughs> I know, but I'm so cheap. On, uh, I'll spend $1,600 on a bow, but I I refuse to replace my wind checker. I just, I, put, I just bought a couple the other day. Oh, man. But it's funny, because when you use flour, it, like, wads up on leaves and stuff. Looks like you're, like, a cocaine addict out in the woods. I like that, uh... <laughs> What is it, smoking a bottle? Yeah, the juniper that's, one. I got that one. That's been some of the, the best. It, it just Where it's is mine? really light and just floats away. I've tried like uh, the Primo's one. Yeah. And it it's probably like you using flour. When it comes out, it just like yeah. just goes okay. everywhere. Okay. Now so I'm covered in wind checker. I go through a lot, um, and I'm guilty. Like I will use three or four puffs if I don't get the correct reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will well, repuff it to make you know. I, my thing is, it's funny because if I repuff it, maybe I can get the wind to do what I want if I puff it enough times. <laughs> See, so and we've done things like, and using a wind checker, I've seen it. We've walked straight at elk with the wind mm-hmm. on our back, but if you, it feels terrible. But when you check it, it's actually going up and hard right. It drifts, yeah. So, okay, you're walking straight at this elk, and the wind's directly on your back, but the wind's not actually going that way. It's coming, you know, it's going straight up. Right. And we've done that before and been fine. Never got winded. Hmm. And it feels like the, if you're just trusting what you can feel, right. it feels like it's blowing right at them. Well, it's not. Right. So. That's really important. Something that really does drift and that, like, some of the stuff I use, if I get a really good good poof, I can see it for 20 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just drifting and it gets higher and higher, but you can still see what it's doing. Yeah. So, wind checker. Man, I should have written that one down. And I carry that every time I go out in the woods. Um, another one I have is, um, well, obviously elk calls and stuff like that is headlamp. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. You didn't have that, did you? No. I, <laughs> I have two in my bag <laughs> with extra batteries, but I did not write that down. Oh. Well, you know, that's the difference between being a professional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you and I have both used phones on the way out with flashlights. <laughs> my, what was that, my bear last <laughs> yeah. year? That was, that was a nightmare. Neither one of us were prepared to shoot anything. That was the worst short pack I've ever had. A hundred yard pack. I didn't say it was like a hundred, hundred twenty yards, and yeah, it took like an hour. Yeah, that, I shredded my camo, by the way. Oh my, because I was I was wearing Kuyu that day. Yeah, it was Blackberry destroyed yeah. by the time we got done. It would have to be a, a huge. And I was bleeding. My hands yeah. were just shredded. Yeah. And you lost your wedding ring. Yeah, which I found a month later. You did? Oh yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. That's funny. Needle and haystack. So, what are some convenience items or something that it's just more? Um, it's something that you like to carry along, but if you don't remember it, it's not a big deal. So, I don't know if it 100% falls in this category, mm-hmm. because you could carry, like, sandwiches and stuff like that, but I take my stove with me, little backpacking stove. Like a jet boil thing? Yeah, uh, that tight, but it's not jet boil. Okay. So, and then I'll just throw in, like, one or two mountain houses. Really? Because you're way lighter, and you're eating... Without having to, I mean, no one wants to eat a sandwich that's been sitting in a hundred degree bag that's for me. ten. Yeah. You're gonna laugh at me because I have uh, for food on here, um, convenience items: spaghettios with energy drink. Oh my god! <laughs> me and Mitch kind of have this thing where we where we uh, we will sit down and eat a can of spaghettios, maybe a ho ho, and an energy drink. Yeah, nothing like making your body run hard all day and then treating it like garbage. <laughs> right. I'm getting better on my on my meal prep game. Um, one year, I think I talked about this on the podcast already, but uh, I I'm very unconscious when it comes to or what what would be the best word unconscious? Uh, very not not aware of eating bad food. Like I will let shit like pizza sit out overnight without in the fridge, and then I'll Ew. eat it the next day, and then wonder why I got sick. So one day Mitch pointed that out to me because I was eating some stuff. Something I wasn't supposed to be eating. He's like, dude, you're going to get sick from that. You wonder why you always get sick. I'm like, yeah. He's like, that right there. I'm like, oh, maybe he's on to something. And you know what? I haven't been getting sick as much. But long story short, I had uh, stew meat, venison, and noodles. I don't know if you guys had already left camp yet. Uh, but I had venison and noodles. I'm like, dude, I'm going to have this out there. And it's going to be so good. I was telling him how good it was going to be. He's like, you're carrying around cooked meat. In 80 degree weather, for how many hours in your pack? He's like, you're gonna get sick. Yep. I'm like, no, I'm not. And then I was crapping my brains out later that day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I, I do need to get better on the meal prep game. We used to go and uh, go over, and you know, at camp we'd drink beer and stuff, you know, and then go hunting in the next day, and not not like drink to like excess. Yeah, we weren't like binge drinking or anything, but you know, drink beer and stuff. Well. You're asking a lot out of your body in the first place, mm-hmm. especially the way we hunt. You're you're pushing yourself just to be there. Well, if you go back to camp and treat it like garbage, you right. know, with beer and horrible food for you. Not that and I'm not saying I only eat mountain houses and they're not really that good for you. Mountain houses aren't. Like they're just they're full of salt and mm-hmm. I love salt. But for for convenience they're fine but uh i tell you what i've lived off mountain house for like four or five days at a time you feel it by the end of it really oh and you stink like <laughs> dude, i mean you could 
you could wake up a funeral home. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, that just is just a product of what you're putting inside right. your body there. So the cleanest I eat and drink is probably during hunting season. That's, well, I've been trying to get better just throughout the year anyways, mm-hmm. but the best I eat is probably that. But I also don't eat very much. I'm really weird. So Same here. I'm a fat kid when it comes to at home. Mm-hmm. Like if I buy a thing of cookies, it lasts two days. You know, <laughs> I'll drink chocolate milk and stuff. But, and I'll snack throughout the day. But when I'm hunting, I'll eat like once a day. Hmm. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just don't get hungry. I think it's because I'm too focused on what I'm doing mm-hmm. to really care to stop to eat. But most of the time I'll eat maybe once a day. Really? And not even feel hungry. Usually, sometimes I get starving, but so food is that's probably a must-have. I mean, you really should carry food out there, but you know, for the stuff that we're doing, I can get away with the spaghettios. But really, I'm I'm not fueling fueling my body like I should be. Um, so that's something I will be investing in better this year. Maybe I do need to get like a jet boil or something like that. I wouldn't buy a jet boil. No, no, they're anti-hunting company. Are they? Yeah. Oh, sons of guns. Yeah, that's why I don't own one. And you can get something that's the same thing for way cheaper. Really? Mine is just this little platform that are, you screw the fuel to. Are they really anti-hunting? That's what I've been told. Sons of guns. So. You heard it first. Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I'm probably wrong, and I'll probably get an yeah. email from JetBill. Just going, like Yeti uh, being anti-NRA, that's not really true from what I hear. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that was quite the fiasco. That was silly. Um. But, yeah, it's just this little platform deal that the fuel screws do, so you're going to have to carry fuel with you anyways. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't take up any more space. And this thing is the size of my hand mm-hmm. and, th- I don't know, three-quarters of an inch tall. So it's lighter and takes up less room. So. Yeah. But then you do have to carry something to boil water in. I just use one of those little blue, uh, like, it's a blue cup, but it's like a, What's that material? It's blue. It's got the white speckles in it. It's like the old-time camping gear stuff. Uh, I have no idea. Okay, I can't remember the brand, but <laughs> I can see it. But anyways, I just use that to boil the water in. So, Okay. What's a convenience item for you? Mm, all these things. <laughs> um, no. I, ha- I have this thing right here. It's a retractable. Uh, it's a Nikon retractable like rangefinder holder. So it has oh. this retractable string. And then I don't know if you can hear it there. Um, and it's pretty strong. It's strong enough to pull my rangefinder back up into itself. And so I was thinking about using this for my bugle this year because those unleashed tubes are pretty big. And I was going to attach this to my pack and then just have my bugle hanging off my retractable cord thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do use it for my rangefinder. It is super handy just letting go of your rangefinder and saving that extra second rather than have to put it away. How many times I've just dropped mine? <laughs> Not the new one because it's still yeah. – it's still new, so, but this is definitely a convenience item, and I really do like it. I mean, you can feel how strong that cord is. It's pretty strong. The 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 spring in there. Yeah. Um. um paracord. Mm. I carry that stuff, which you would survive with that. Well, I guess it could help you, but you know, tying stuff up or I carry D loop and serving with me. Oh, wheel guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so paracord. That's a good one. Another one is the reed quiver. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't have one, but I also don't lose reeds. I do. I went through six one year, and I had to go back and buy more. 
Yeah, like an hour out out of. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably more like an hour and a half out of where we were hunting, and we had to stop and get me get me more reeds. I went through at least six. I went through one last year because I blew it out in three days, four days. Yeah, and then I, I moved on to the next one. I used two reeds last year, and I didn't lose the first one. It just, you know, they they separate, and, yeah, because yeah, they the glue can only stand so much. Yeah, but, but the reed quiver, man. I really like that. You look kind of like a dork having it with your on your hat, and I understand that. But I, it's something that I'm I'm willing to look dorky with because just not having to carry it in your mouth, and then you can just shove it in your hat real quick. You don't. I mean, it's hands free almost. It's so easy, and they're they're pretty cheap. They're just you know reed quiver. Just Google it. I mean, it's pretty pretty cool little piece of gear. Um, I have I had string and rope on mine. I have a recharger uh, for my phone. It's like a little mm. battery pack that carries an extra charge. Uh, some guys are using the uh, what's it the black energy or the uh, what's it called? Uh, is it dark mountain? I think that's coffee. Coffee. It's some Ooh, sort of rechargeable item. Yeah, I don't I don't drink coffee, but it's yeah. some sort of recharge rechargeable device for your for your phone. And I carry my phone, which I also put down as a convenience item because it has Onyx on there. I can take pictures, video, uh, but Onyx is huge, and we do hunt where I can use Onyx. Uh, you can use it anywhere if you use it offline too, and you save your map. Um, I don't leave the woods without Onyx really anymore. It's such a huge item for me. Actually, it's not a must-have because I know where I'm hunting typically, but if I'm hunting a new area, it it would be a must-have. Yeah, we went to a new area last year. Um, I would just, well, you have to drive through private, or you skirt it, um, but without Onyx, I would have never been in there. Really? Because it, you go, you, I mean, you go past some houses and you're on the same road that took you straight to their house. Mm. But, so you, I would never drove, I would have turned around. But with Onyx, we, we knew we were, once you get past that away, you're good to go. Yeah. So, and then even once we were in there, we skirted this guy's property and we were able to hunt around without ever being illegal. So, yeah, Onyx is, that would be a huge one there. Hmm. What else do you have? Um, let's see. I'm running out of stuff because, like I said, I, I just put stuff on there that. Well, how heavy I'm is not your, leaving without? How heavy is your pack when you're out there hunting around? I I've never weighed it. Um, I bet mine's thirty pounds. I. Uh, With my spot and scope and my tripod, if I. Oh yeah, if I put if, my if spot and scope and stuff in there, yeah, it gets real heavy. Um, but I I've never weighed mine. I think the only time I've ever weighed mine, was for not just for a day trip. Really. So. Because, I mean, all these things you're saying, you can't, you know, I'm not going without. Well, if your pack comes in eight pounds over what you wanted, what are you going to take out? Right. Spot and scope. Tripod. Yeah. Well, I'm also carrying camera gear, but that doesn't count because that's not normal for most folks. That, yeah, and that's that comes back to. That's a convenience. Well, it's can, not even a convenience. That's a must-have for me because I, I have to get that footage anymore. It's like if I don't carry a camera, I'm not near as excited. <laughs> yeah. I just, I want to capture it on film anymore. It's so important to me. Like, I don't even come out with fancy hunting videos. I just want to, like, that blue wildebeest, I can go back and relive that. Yeah, and that's a big thing, too. And, um, well, it really helped us this year on that bear I shot in April or May or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Being able to relook at the footage. We thought I missed. Yeah. 100%. You missed. And then even just on the small screen, it's like, uh uh-oh, no, you didn't. Yeah. And then... We went and looked and then go home and pull it up on a big screen. And it's like, that was actually a pretty good hit. Yeah. So. Dead bear. Without 
if that would not have been filmed. We wouldn't have known. We would have never known. I right. still would have gone down there. Right. You did do the right thing. But I would have gave up quicker, you yeah. know, because no blood, no nothing, and thinking you missed and having nothing to prove to you that you didn't miss. Yeah. We shot that thing in a hell hole and oh, went back horrible. down in the next day. The next day. Which is the right thing to do, but that just speaks volumes of character to me. Yeah, that was horrible down there. Yeah. Um, whew, getting down there wasn't so bad. Getting back out bad, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was getting out of there. It was... So one thing I have written down here in the non-category is pistol, sidearm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I carry, because <laughs> I'm not much of a pistol guy. Um, I have a black powder 44, uh, six uh, cylinder, but I don't take that out with me. But I would be such a badass if I did. I should just one day just bring a six, you know, a pa- black powder pistol with me. But I have a uh, Kim's 380 Walther PK 380. Um, That's cute. It's you know, <laughs> it's pretty cute. I can rack it with my finger, uh, just two fingers. I can rack the slide really easily. Um, and that's just because I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna go out and buy something. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm cheap on some things when I shouldn't be. Uh, maybe a pistol's one of them, but I carry that thing with me when I go out. Um, pretty much all the time, I carry the pistol with me, um, and it's just a 380 with rip rounds, so it's probably not even the right round. You probably want something that gets better penetration. Yeah, no. So for for an animal, you're gonna want to use a full metal jacket because mm-hmm. it it goes in further. So mm-hmm. um, when I do carry one, it's my Glock 40, mm. or it's a 23, but it's a 40. Yeah. So um, I like that caliber a lot. Yeah. Um, I like the gun, but I'm going to go to a, I'm going to stick with Glock, but I'm going to go to their, I think it's like, a, might be the Glock 10. Hmm. Anyways, it's a nine millimeter, but it's a single stack mag. Oh. So it's, it's a lot lighter, thinner. Cause that's the only thing I don't like about mine is it's not really designed to be packed like that for hunting. So it's kind of heavy. Yeah. So I do want to go with something a little lighter, but that's what I'll carry if I am carrying one, right. which. Uh, for this coming hunting season, I'll be for sure carrying one again, um, cause we'll be in wolf country Yeah, and those things scare me. They like, do? Yeah. You know, well, I've never ran into one. I wouldn't know. So I've hunted near them. Mm-hmm. I've cut their tracks. Um, the other guys we were with heard them. We never did actually lay, lay eyes on them, but it, for me, it was playing a factor. Like I did not want to be not. To the truck by dark. Really? Because those things, I don't care what any biologist is going to tell you. They kill for fun. Mm-hmm. And now I understand. I don't think there's been a single attack in Oregon from a wolf yet. There's but, been guys that have been followed and stalked by them. Yeah, I've seen videos. That's the thing. If they decide to kill you, which, I mean, a, a bear and a cougar will do it too. I mean, if a cougar decides it's killing you, it's going to kill you. A cougar killed a guy the other day. Yeah, it's going to kill you. I mean... You, we are nowhere near the predator. I mean, you take weapons out of it, mm-hmm. we're useless. Yeah. So, but a pack of wolves, if they decide to come after you, what are you going to do? Climb a tree. That's about your only out, you know, your only chance. So, last time we hunted in wolf country, uh, me and Ryan got caught out after dark. You know, we're four or five miles from the pickup. And we were walking through, you know, even once we hit the road, we're walking. And that was in my mind the entire time. Really? Yeah. Is uh, where we're going elk hunting this year for Shelby's tag? Is there wolves over there? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Quite a few of them. That's what I'm saying, especially because I want to be packing a bow. Mm-hmm. I carry two pistols. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on my 380 will do the job. Uh, I'll shoot you in the <laughs> foot and run. <laughs> right. So. I carry a gun, honestly, for the for the two-legged 
predators out there. I, I, I think there's more risk from fellow. Uh, I trust a wolf more than I trust a person. Yeah, me too. I, I just, I've just seen too many circumstances, too many instances, and I've had a few altercations in the woods that yeah. I wish I would have had something to protect myself some. I've ran, I've ran into jerks into the woods. and Yeah, last you know, year I did. Um, people are, not everybody, but obviously, but right. there's a lot of not good people out there. Right. Um, especially in my line of work, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. There's not, there's a lot of not good, that would, they would steal your gas and leave you stranded 400 miles away from nothing yeah. just because and then they wanted tires. to, yeah, because they want to save 15 bucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's that type of people out there. So, of course, there's also a lot of good people out there too, but. Well, every year you hear about guys trying to steal other guys' elk too. Yeah, elk racks or the or the actual kill, or whatever it may be. There's more risk, I believe, from from fellow man than there is um, the actual nature's predators. Yeah, that's probably true. So that's that's my main concern for killing. You know, because yeah, I mean, I I just don't trust. Them. I'm with you. I, I I trust the animals more than I do guys I don't know, especially during and not the gun guys or more, but when I when I rifle hunt. I am way more high alert. Uh, I ribbon my antlers. I ribbon my pack when we get something down. Like, I do not want to get shot on accident. And every year you hear about some guy probably wearing Carhartts that gets shot by another elk hunter or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's like, come on, guys. So a little off topic there, but uh, very, very valid point is you should carry protection with you in the woods. It's not that you're not... Um, you know, masculine and guys are like, oh, you're a big, you know, JJ carrying a gun. You need a gun out there. It's like, well, if you know how strong a hundred pound cub or, uh, or a 80 pound cub or a oh, 80 pound small cub bear, your face off. it's not the same muscle. You're, no. you're going against a, something that could easily overtake you, even a small bear or even a two year old cougar. I mean, you're dead. Yeah. So that's why I said, you know, if a cougar decides it's going to kill yeah. you. Yeah. If you took weapons out of it, mm-hmm. you stand no chance. Yeah. None. What if a freaking elk decided to attack you, a bull? <laughs> I've said that. <laughs> it it always mean, cracks me up how skittish they are from us. It's like if yeah. they only realized they could yeah. beat us to death with, <laughs> with no hesitation. Right. So there's there's a really big valid point there. So get the protection. I'm the wrong guy to talk about what caliber to get, but um, you know something preferably bigger than a 380. <laughs> yeah, well... If that's what you shoot, good. I shoot, yeah, I shoot nine millimeters pretty well. Forties, uh, forty-five, you know, and, and if you know. go buy a forty-five, but you can't hardly hit the side of a barn because you can't handle the recoil, then it's yeah. not doing you any good. Yeah, but you can shoot a nine millimeter, great. Well, you're better off with the yeah. nine millimeter. I can so. sure shoot a SR twenty-two pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what John John carries just a twenty-two mag. Really? Yeah, because yeah. well. small and. It's really a peace of mind. He's right too. You know, his theory was if I'm using it, it's probably about point blank. So yeah, which yeah, that's true. So all right, guys. Well, that that concludes mine. So um, if you have something that is not on this list, leave a message or message me. Get a hold of me if you have any questions about anything that we went over. There's quite a few guys that are looking um, from from the guys that I talked to, listen to the podcast that are looking to get into elk hunting, maybe live over east. Um, if you're wanting to get a complete gear, uh, guide, I guess we could put something together, you know, the kind of what's in my pack thing. Um, I never really thought about doing this. This is more of, of a priority 
because um, I am a gear guy and I do have to leave things in the truck that I'd like to take that just don't make sense sometimes. But if you want to have any questions on this, you can get a hold of uh, Team Dirty Trad on Instagram, all one word. Mm-hmm. You can message me, get a hold of me, um, On Point Podcast with Garrett Weaver on Instagram, uh, YouTube channel, uh, Garrett Weaver Hunts on Gmail. Uh, whatever you guys want to do, uh, be happy to help you out with, with that, with the gear stuff there. And Anthony, do you have any closing words of wisdom? Nope. Other than like, like we said at the beginning, this is just for like a day trip. We're not talking long term. You know, right. we're not, these weren't, this wasn't designed to be towards like a five day hunt. Cause, and I'm actually glad we did it this way because not, not everybody's going to go spend six days out in the woods. No, I think a lot of guys are doing what we're doing. You're going, you're hiking in, you're hiking out. Yeah. So yep. now, and I will backpack hunt, but if I, if the elk are two miles from camp, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stay in there. I'm going to go back to camp. So, right. so yeah, that's how this was geared. So, yeah. and I, I don't think I've ever seen one that's designed towards a day trip. A day hunter. Yeah. It's yeah. mostly geared towards what's in here if I'm going for six days, seven days, right. eight days. So. Yeah, well, I, I think you're right. I think most of them are like, what did you take on a seven-day pack hunt? And yeah. Which is great. I mean. Yeah, I'm just not the guy for that. Um, I'd yeah. love to do it. I just don't have the experience to come out with a podcast and say this is what you need. Yeah. So, but uh, all right, guys. Well, I had a great time. Thanks for coming back onto the podcast, man. You're becoming quite the regular on here. Yep, bills are in the mail. <laughs> so, all right, guys. I'll see you on the next one. Bye. All right, guys, this episode is brought to you by Elk River Archery. Uh, Elk River Archery is owned by Chris Dunlap, who I've had on the uh, podcast a few times. I consider him a friend now, and he's a great guy, and he is a specialist when it comes to bow tuning and arrow development. So if you have any questions or concerns with your bow and you live here in the Oregon area um, near Salem, give him a call. Uh, go go on Instagram. You can get his contact information on, on Instagram. Type in Chris Dunlap or Elk underscore River underscore Archery. He'll pull right up. You can get a hold of him there. He's the one that I go to for my footers now, which I absolutely love. Not only do the footers that he makes look really cool, but they they really do have some some actual benefits to them. You know, if you shoot an arrow long enough, it eventually will start brooming out or getting those kind of cracks on the end. This will prevent that. This also helps uh, strengthen the hidden insert area of if you're shooting uh, eastern axis like I do. And then also, it, it basically... It gives you a little bit more FOC. So these weigh 16 grains the one that I'm using. So I'm just over 14% FOC now. That's really, uh, this is my favorite arrow that I've ever shot now. The the FOC, the weight, the feet per second. I, I absolutely love my arrow setup right now and I'm not going to change it come season. Um, that A lot of that has been um, with the help of Chris Dunlap developing those footers, um, helping me get my FOC a little bit up and then helping me toughen up the, uh, the insert side of my arrow. And he has a lot of really good information, a lot of insight. And I really want to help him grow, and he's a guy that definitely deserves to grow. He, he's willing to do the work, and he makes a great product. So uh, go check out Chris Dunlap at Elk River Archery if you have a chance. And then also the second one uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to would be Austin Kincaid from High Voltage Bowstrings. And he's based out of Portland, great guy. And the one thing I can say about him is that he is meticulous, and he has great customer service. I am very meticulous about my gear. I, I am absolutely on top of it. I want to make sure everything is as good as it can be and I really all I have to worry about is my end of the aspect is executing the shot my good shot process all that stuff well when I have Anthony's strings on there I don't get any string twist I've shot thousands of arrows and I always used to 
prior to going to his strings, I always used to have to twist my, my peep almost every shot, just a little bit. I haven't had to touch my peep in thousands of shots on my RX-1 Turbo. Um, I, <laughs> I trust him. I took him to Africa, drug him through the Namibian desert, drug him through the coastal range in Oregon, through the, you know, all the pricklies and then the devil's clubs and all the bushes, hunting with him over in Eastern Oregon, you know, in, in good weather, bad weather, um, just really put these strings through the ringer and I've never had a problem. Um, I know a lot of guys that maybe they goofed up on their end or maybe something happened to the string and he's on top of it. He takes care of them. I've talked to him, you know, as late as 11:30 at night to as early as you want. The guy's an amazing customer service guy. And like I said, he's making one hell of a product for a bow string. Um, he's, he's the only string I'm putting on my bow right now. So uh, really, I'm not getting paid by either of these guys, by Chris or by Austin to do this. I'm doing it because I genuinely believe in their products. I like them as people and I want to see them both grow. So Austin Kincaid, high voltage bowstrings. He can do whatever you want, whatever material you want, and he'll steer you in the right direction as well. Well, guys, that is the episode. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Anthony from Team Dirty Trad for coming back onto the show and talking gear. I really enjoy sitting down with Anthony. He's one of my best friends and uh, enjoy hunting with him. So all the banter and all, all the uh, all the laughing is in good fun. And, and we're able to do that, joke around with each other in that podcast, which is awesome. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions, be sure to get a hold of me. And I will be doing some drawings uh, here coming up again. So be sure to leave those five-star reviews. But you have to leave a comment. I had in the last week three or four people who left a five-star review, which is amazing. That's awesome. And if you don't care about the drawings, that's totally cool. But they didn't leave comments, so if they did care about the drawings, they didn't get entered. And I'd hate to see somebody miss an opportunity that really wants to win some of these cool prizes. And I do have some even more nicer prizes coming uh, that I'm working with, and I'm really excited to, to announce those here soon. So good things coming around the corner. If you've already left a review, you can actually leave another one, I believe. Um, so you can keep getting entered in these contests. Don't feel like if you've already entered that you, your chance has gone by, you can re-enter in these things. So thanks for listening to this one, guys. I appreciate it, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.